85% of daily fantasy sports players lose. Don't be surprised, it's rigged. You're playing against thousands of lineups and experts with more tools and time. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head matchup. You name your stakes and winner takes all. So go to stathero.com slash capspace. You can sign up for free. And right now you get 300% back on your first play. That's stathero.com slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. You all have heard me talk many times about my wife here on the show. You might recall that she's a yoga teacher. And I wanted to let you know that she is starting her own streaming service called Yoga with Ashlyn. A-I-S-L-I-N-N. That's how you spell it. And if you enjoy our meticulous data-oriented approach here on Dunked On, either you or a significant other will find this to be the best streaming service there is for yoga. Unlike apparently a lot of teachers, she spends about an hour planning the sequence for each class. Why is that important? Well, it helps you get the most out of every second that you're on the mat, whether it's one of her quick 10-minute refresh classes or one of her super hardcore inversion labs. This detailed sequencing makes all the difference, whether you're looking for injury prevention, getting into that really hard pose you haven't been able to master, or just getting your mind right at the end of a really hard day. She's got over 130 classes and that library is growing at one to two classes per week. She'll even take requests from members on new classes that they like. You can search by poses, by body part if you're feeling something is tight. She's really built an impressive platform. And whether you want to get into yoga more yourself or you know someone who is really into yoga and is looking for a way to get a lot better, check out Yoga with Ashlyn. There's a free seven-day trial. You can either go to yogawithashlyn.com or there's a link to her service in the description of this podcast. That's yogawithashlyn.com, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, or just click the link in the podcast description. Welcome on to a special preview of Dunked On Prime. We're doing this all week before the season starts, catching you up on many of the season previews that we've done on Dunked On Prime. And the hope, of course, is that you will subscribe for the season. We are offering not the best deal ever because that was for founding members, but the second best deal ever for a one-year membership for Dunked On Prime total access. That includes access to our discords, our chats, the same cap sheets and free agent lists that Danny and I use, which are updated in real time during transaction periods and a bunch of other odds and ends as well. In addition to at least four and recently more subscription podcast episodes per week and the fifth Dunton episode commercial free as well. So I encourage you to give it a shot. This special deal is going to end when the season begins. So check it out. If you sign up for a year membership, you can get 35% off the monthly price for Dunked On Prime total access. Enjoy the show. All right, another team that we saved for a while because I desperately wanted to see what James Wiseman looked like in the preseason. Well, I guess that was a waste, but it was good to see how Steph Curry was looking in preseason, if, even if we also couldn't see how Draymond Green looked in preseason. And here to discuss the outlook for the Golden State Warriors in 2020-21 is the Athletics' Anthony Slater. How are you? 
Nate, I sent out a minute and 22 second clip of James Wiseman in a scrimmage, and, and you can't, you didn't get enough off that? You, you, you can't give me a full breakdown? <laughs> well, so all we have so far are the tea leaves, and you've talked about this uh, on your pod with Tim and Marcus and Ethan about, well, you know, it'll be somewhat telling to hear what people are saying about Wiseman in these practices and how much potential they have so now that we've actually heard a little bit he's practiced in full at least a couple of times they're going to have this big scrimmage on Saturday that might determine whether he and Draymond are going to play on Tuesday in the opener against the Nets and uh, Steve Kerr hasn't even ruled out him starting in theory so uh, what do you think again just more basing it on discussions with people in the organization both on and off the record what is the early returns uh, on what they think of James Wiseman very positive um they are increasingly hyped up about him uh the more that they've interacted with him seen him in the gym you know I to me especially these early conversations are more informative when you talk behind the scenes or even on the record as you said to people that weren't directly involved in making the pick Mm. You know, it's just assistant coaches who are like, wow, this monster 7-1 guy showed up. And uh, yeah, we have not seen an athlete like this in the gym ever. I mean, to me, early on, um, and I'd almost spin this question to you. I think he's, we could argue he's might be the best athlete in the league <laughs> like just just pure seven foot one nimble the length the speed up and down the court we will see but like you know who I, I'm not sure like what the comparison is like he's basically Rudy Gobert size but he's definitely as a 19 year old a more fluid runner than Gobert probably probably a leaper can um get out on the perimeter and slide more now again we will get into the lack of experience in potentially you know the feel that they're trying to uh you know they, they they need to up his basketball feel but they it it i would say two things have impressed them the body which i just mentioned i mean like this is just 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 an athlete unlike many humans that walk this earth uh and then number two they do they they like the kid that he's sitting with zaza during these practices and i've chatted a little bit with zaza and he's asking questions that he's high energy you know a lot of these bigs that come into the league can be kind of of aloof a little bit might not like the sport he seems to them to really like basketball and be obsessed with the work and so when you combine those two things they think they got i mean to be honest they think they might have a superstar wow that's uh that is a a lot to unpack there i mean i mean the superstar thing let's talk about that first that's a long-term thing for sure 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 i i mean to me i you know it's it's tough for a center to be a superstar if he's gonna be a superstar then he's got to be really good offensively and that's something that again in the very very limited exposure that any of us have had to him you know i didn't quite see that that was the case i mean even even watching you know his jump shot which is remade hey they showed us two makes in a row on corner threes uh i'm guessing if they had three makes in a row to show us they probably would have showed us that but you know that's that's always like okay i want to see eight makes in a row like that's if you're because i assume they're just showing us his best stretch but uh you know and he does have a smooth jumper but it's kind of long elongated you know it's not he he doesn't look like carl anthony towns i don't think he's going to be that type of a shooter yeah He's um, he's yeah. not going to be Bosch, uh, I don't think ever. As far as like the volume, uh, you know, he looks a little Boshy. I think it's going to be like just the seven foot lefty aspect. Um, I do think you know there might be a time in his career where reliably the nineteen footers there, maybe even out to three. But like you said, slow. 
that to me that is not where the offensive upside has surprised him i think it's the off the dribble stuff i think it's the grab and go and transition and um better vision now he didn't pass again three college games he only had one assist but um the assist i don't know if you've seen the assist it was like catch it on you know it was a press break they threw it up to him he caught it he's kind of dribbling and from the deep almost near half court left wing he pinged the cross quarter uh to the corner for a corner three so like there's some of that there that they see um and i mean i wouldn't be shocked if two years from now like they're letting him do some off the dribble stuff like up top um i mean we'll see but you know there there's some you know the the sean livingston's of the organization there are different assistant coaches that are like whoa he's got some he's got some stuff that you might not see in year one but he's got some stuff to work with yeah i guess that's because you know posting up i'm not really sure you know he doesn't have at least from what we've seen like the greatest like finishing touch like not a lot of great moves he's got like a little fade away that he probably went to too often in the limited film that we saw um you know i mean the biggest thing to me and you mentioned that he's been playing hard is just going to be those quick duck-ins getting quick post position getting fouled going up strong around the rim obviously the you know pick and roll finishing quick attacks i mean there's got you can score a lot of points in the league these days with that stuff because everyone's so worried about defending the three-point line so i mean do i think that he's gonna be a guy where you're like all right we're just gonna throw this dude the ball in the post joel Embiid style and he's gonna go to work i don't think he has that type of a feel or a skill level for scoring and perhaps that could be developed um and i think you know he can be potentially even more of a physical force than joel Embiid. yeah yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't, you know, I don't think a dump down, you know, run, even like traditional, like, oh, like a Marcus Ole, throw it to him in the high post, you know, run some Steve Kerr like cuts off him and, and watch him ping passes around. Again, that would be a long term feel. I don't expect them to post him up almost at all this season, but sure. I could see some, you throw it to him 18 feet out and you have him face up against a slower big and just, you know, do, do quick twitch right, go left. You know, and you know it's unique. He's lefty. You know that's that, that, that's kind of part of this. Um, but he's, I mean, he's probably faster than every big in the league. Maybe are. I mean, you know, at least ninety percent of them. I mean, I kind of wanted to pose that question to you earlier. Like, what other athletes would you put above him right now? Like, just as a, I'm just talking pure, you know, speed, size, length, uh, height combo. Yeah, I think. I certainly believe that he had that potential. You know, I haven't seen him in a year, and supposedly he's been working out like a madman that entire time. And he definitely has the type of body that puts on muscle that gets stronger very easily. Um, so no, I mean that was the whole reason why I, I don't see that many better than him, which is why I thought that he was the highest floor prospect in the draft because it's just if you're willing to play even decently hard, uh, and you also have the type of physical tools that he has with you know basically close to best wingspan. Best standing reach in the league not not quite gobert uh and mo bamba and bull bull wingspan but very very good for a center um and he's way stronger than all those guys and probably faster than all of them except maybe gobert um yeah I, a I mean, more I that, a yeah. more fluid runner than gobert though i would yeah. say you know like end to end you know those like hey somebody got a rebound i'm bursting ahead gobert yeah who you know defensive player of the year rudy gobert i am not saying wiseman is anything close to that yet but i i do think particularly you remember gobert you know who, what he go 27th a lot of that was because he was he was a little i don't want to say like bambi legs coming out of the draft but you know there was some concerns about that where i you know i talked to um wiseman's um he he trained in my 
Miami during this year away from basketball, essentially. Um, and the in in a Miami gym that had NFL players and NBA guys in there, and the guy was like, you know, he's doing track workouts with NFL linebackers and running backs and like keeping up with them. He did. He said the one of the things that impressed him. I, I don't know. It's like a dumbbell bench press where you're on uh, on a ball, so it's like really works your core. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I do yeah. that one. I love, love that exercise. Great yeah. exercise. Hundreds on each side, and he's just easily doing it. He's like, this is stuff that, like, you know, some of the most elite, like, grown men athletes in the league, NFL and NBA, can't do. Like James Wiseman can already do at nineteen. And it, it, what's interesting is it comes with a mindset of like he's he's unaware of of how much of a freak athlete he is, um, and you know he's starting to kind of learn that. And, and I do think it's a it's a weird mix of a mindset where that that would say maybe he's a little bit too timid and you don't like that out of your bigs. But you were saying it a little bit earlier, but like the the energy that that they've loved early in camp, like he's coming out like you know almost you know Steph Curry said he was like a puppy out of the cage. Like he, if you play with that level of energy with that body type athleticism combo like you're automatically going to be like pretty pretty decent impact right away quick break here to remind you that this is a free preview of dunked on prime and we are having a sale if you buy a yearly membership of dunked on prime total access you'll get access to our cap sheets our chats our free agent rankings and of course dunked on five days a week ad free and that is at 35 percent off the monthly price for Dunked on Prime Total Access, or if you want, give it a shot just with a monthly membership as well and see what you've been missing. With Dunked on Prime, we are better than ever. We can react instantly. We can do multiple episodes in a day if we want to because we're not beholden to advertisers any longer. And also, if financial circumstances are an issue for you, we have a special deal for those in financial difficulty. You can check out my pinned tweet at Nate Duncan NBA. Click on that letter for more details on that. Now back to this free preview of Dunked on Prime. Yeah, and so uh, the playing hard was one aspect. And, and I think, you know, he did show a lot of improvement towards the end of his high school career. If you look at like his EYBL stats, uh, which is kind of like the all, all-star circuit after a player's junior year, he did not play very well in that. His field goal percentage wasn't good. He's was just kind of taking a lot of jumpers. And I think he really embraced being what he could be physically. And, and the first time he really broke out, I th- think, was that the nike hoop summit and then you saw i thought his effort was not unbelievable but very solid at memphis particularly for a prospect of his ilk and so you you throw in the effort and it seems like you know he made some improvement during that period and you know probably has continued to do so and they really like him as a kid the question of course is going to be you know what is his level of feel um and is he going to be intelligent enough to read plays particularly defensively that's going to be a huge aspect of this as well and obviously has not played very much high level of basketball well, you know, we've seen guys like Harrison Barnes, very high character, great body, but just for whatever reason didn't have the feel. But, you know, a seven foot one Harrison Barnes, uh, in terms of his attitude and how hard he plays, it is pretty good. So I, I'm I'm optimistic about him. You know, I mean, I'm still on the Lamelo train. I'm going to talk about him later today uh, a little bit more uh, just because that's a, a more valuable player. But he absolutely could be the most valuable player in this draft. When I say valuable players, a more valuable position, I guess. So Yeah, um, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody that matters in the Warriors organization the other day. And they were at, you know, we were kind of going back and forth on what they'd seen so far with Edwards and LaMelo and Wiseman, because that's the top of this draft. That's what for years will be discussed and compared to each other. And that person said, I think they were high on LaMelo too. They're like, Ooh, he always looked great so far. I think he definitely has all-star upside, but they said, I, 
I feel like we were fortunate for what that that Wiseman fell to two, even though obviously Lamelo was three. But like they, even somebody within that organization that thinks Lamelo has All Star upside is saying um, that at this point they feel like that they hit a home run with Wiseman. Now we we will see again. I think what you mentioned earlier, yes, the feel is a concern, the lack of experience, um, but there's probably not a bet. You know, maybe maybe there's a few organizations you would compare the Warriors to, but like to me to put them in Draymond Green defense offensive school and offensive school in some ways um and and in this Warriors environment and, and in Steph Curry pick and rolls early in his career and and around a, a coaching staff that seems committed to you know preaching patience somewhat in a winning environment is about as good as you're going to get for uh you know a, a high lottery rookie um he Wiseman mentioned the other day you know he was making some some passing mistakes in the scrimmage and uh you know rushing offensive plays and Draymond's on him and Draymond's teaching him no, you have to let this play develop here. You need to do this. And I mean, to me that he's getting those lessons every day instead of other situations, you know, imagine if Minnesota took him one and he's like, you got the superstar Carl Anthony Towns probably wouldn't have even been happy with that pick and, and the situation yeah. there. So um, I think he may have fell into something that will really maximize what he can be. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, let's talk to Steph Curry and how he has looked because ultimately so much of their fortunes just right on him if he's not superstar Steph Curry they're not going to be not only are they not going to be good this year but their championship hopes for the foreseeable future are done uh you know even if Clay Thompson were able to come back uh so what have your thoughts been on how he has looked in preseason if he can play Hassan Whiteside every game I think he might win MVP um my uh Hassan really got Steph going with the did you see the drop coverage and then uh, I don't know if you uh, yeah, watched the, the third Lord. quarter they uh yeah he uh was pretty paint bound I mean the Hassan's always been a good matchup for them going back to like when he was getting into it like talking shit on Twitter to Draymond back in like 2016 I think he was the one that when Kevin Durant said uh, there's only one ball or you know maybe it was Gobert <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah I mean I think it, it in some ways was fortunate that the Warriors got the kings twice because um you know Whiteside's uh lack of uh, ability to get up on the pick and roll and, and guard staff got him going he had six threes in the preseason finale he had 29 and 29 the last two games against the kings and didn't play the fourth in either uh so he he's he's looked like steph curry really i mean i'd say in the, the the opener which i know you attended was his worst of his three preseason games but what's interesting about the curry is in the five games he played last year he didn't shoot it well he didn't yeah. play that well um um, but again, that's a five game sample. To me, the one Steph Curry concern this year is, or question is how many games will he play? If you guarantee me he plays 65, 68 or so, um, then I think we're definitely having a playoff discussion with this team. But the problem is, I mean, that's that's been a concern. Now, freak accidents usually slip in on a wet spot in Houston crashes and breaks his hand you know on a on a drive with Aaron Baines trying to take a charge even the JaVel McGee crashing into his knee that knocked him out like 30 games um so yeah a freak accident like that happens or an ankle twist which we you know well documented his ankle issues it completely just like last season turns the Warriors into an immediate lottery team so 
I, I think he's looked like Steph Curry outside the arc. And I've been impressed, actually, that it seems like they have pretty good chemistry so far with these guys like Ubre looking to set screens for him. Guys, Wiggins has been a little bit a little bit slower on the uptake. We'll talk about him more in a second, I'm sure. But he's getting a lot of threes off. You mentioned it's the Kings. They're not doing a lot of switching. You're seeing vanilla, um, vanilla defenses in the preseason. I, I get all that. But from outside the arc, he's looked like the guy that we've seen but I do think the trend of him just not being as good inside the arc is continuing to accelerate which is not surprising he's 32 he was 28 in that crazy 2016 season and you know I think that's the biggest difference I would say is just his ability to penetrate his ability to finish now as opposed to back then you know, you're seeing him getting a bunch of shots at the rim blocked you know maybe he's got to get his timing back as far as what he can get away with there or not so I think it's just you know kind of incremental decline every year in terms of what he can do inside the arc but you know he still is obviously in great shape that's something i know you've harped on a lot that he's the warrior who's in the the best shape he can run all day they're looking for him they're getting him open outside the arc i think when teams force him inside the arc that's when you know i think he's just we'll see how big that decline is but certainly he's out there looking like at least a top 10 player in this preseason yeah for sure like his percentages at the rim probably will 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 slowly decline yeah also the lack of spacing too doesn't help with that no no it doesn't uh you know he's gotten blocked a few times in the preseason actually Halliburton got over I thought last night for a nice block on Steph uh and I think Whiteside you know despite his failings elsewhere I think did get him once at the rim and yeah yeah again he to me you know he's a better version of Steve Nash but he's gonna I think will age like Steve Nash and Steve Nash went from like MVP at 31 to like still an all-star at 35. Uh, obviously like the late, late Lakers version of Steve Nash flamed out very quickly, but in general, that type of player in that type of physical condition that is obsessed with the, the off day work like Steph is so much that there Steph is working with Steve Nash's guy, Rick Celebrini. Um, I do think, you know, barring freak injuries, Steph should age really well, even while, like you said, those marginal stuff decline and he becomes and he stair steps down from MVP level to all-star level to still really good rotation player level as, as he gets to like, I don't know, 38 or so. Um, so do you have any other observations? Maybe even as many as five observations from the Warriors preseason? Five per night. Uh, but you better subscribe <laughs> to The Athletic to get them. I, I don't know if I can deliver them. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot. I, I don't know if we're going by your, uh, uh, you know, uh, your scripted list here. But, you know, the interesting question I saw on here was... Um, uh, if there's a, an opinion I have on the team that's counter to the national narrative. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what, I mean, what's interesting about the national narrative about this team this season, for, first of all, I, it's tough to judge anything till we've seen Wiseman play a minute. I mean, you could hear these, yeah. uh, you know. Well, Draymond, too. I mean, Draymond yes, is yes. more important to what they're doing this, this year season. Than Wiseman. This se- Wiseman, to me, is like what changes the long-term equation. Yeah. You're right. Draymond obviously is like what version of him shows up this year. And we can get to to it. Well, let's just talk Draymond now. Um I mean I know and I know you've mentioned on previous podcasts, but he looks skinny. Um, you know, he did he's been he was working out in Cabo, um, and that was the question. What does he come in looking like? Is this long layoff <laughs> yeah. like most people who work out in Cabo, it doesn't it doesn't uh it's not yes. too effective. <laughs> 
Um, it's just a very interesting point of his career where, you know, he's become a, a TV star, a person. He's, he's given the commencement speech at Michigan State this week. Um, he could he could retire. Now, he wouldn't because he's walking into a four-year, $100 million contract. But let's say he just gave up basketball tomorrow. TNT puts him in, in the booth as they did during the playoffs right now. And he he's basically the heir to Charles Barkley, which I do think he, incre- you know, talking to him, he increasingly wants to do. I, I expect that to be his post-career. Career. So he's set up and he's, you know, maybe he's fringe Hall of Fame at this point, but I mean, regardless, he's had an incredible career. He could kind of happily flame out right now and be fine, set for life as the personality that he is. But he, the, you know, I still think if he's dedicated to it, three to four good years are still there for him, even though he is kind of the undersized big that, you know, his, his shooting touch is gone uh, and he's been beat up physically. Uh, if he is in good enough shape, I mean, he could be a top 10 NBA defender this year. He could captain a defense. He could be part of a winning program for the next, you know, four years. And to me, I remember talking to him in training camp last year when he knew that he knew already that they were going to be terrible. He did not like the D'Angelo Russell fit. He didn't like how D'Angelo played um, the slower vibe that he knew they were going to be a bad defensive team. And he completely checked out. And you could tell just in conversations with him on and off the record. Where I was encouraged by his first press conference. Now we haven't seen him yet, but looked skinny and seemed excited, and and he doesn't hide his emotions very well. So the fact that he just seems into this season is a good early sign. Now I want to see him in the first week. I want to see him guard Kevin Durant a little bit opening night. I think the oh, entire yeah. world wants to see that. Uh, and Giannis, I you know I don't think he'll be the primary Giannis defender necessarily on Christmas, but you know in those high octane environments and i do think he's gonna play um i they do him and wiseman need to get through the the scrimmage saturday but all all signs to me are pointing to both of them playing um so yeah we'll see on draymond but he seems to be of the mindset of i'm not flaming out i want to give it one or two more good really good more seasons I've been working with Indochino since way back in 2015. They outfitted my wedding with a tuxedo and sport coats for my groomsmen. I've got a number of suits from them as well. There's nothing like that feeling of knowing that your clothes just fit perfectly. And you're not going to get that at some store. You're not going to get that off the rack. Yeah, they say that they can customize it for you. But why should you start with something that's made for someone else and get them to try to make it fit you? Instead, Indochino makes stuff for you that fits perfectly whether it's custom fitted suits shirts casual wear and more it's all at surprisingly affordable prices their suits start at just 399 with all customizations included each piece is made your exact measurements you can customize every detail the fabric the lapel the monogram they've got awesome statement linings as well whether you want to go into one of their many north american showrooms or book a virtual style consultation just go to indochino.com and you can get 50 dollars off any purchase of 399 dollars or more by using the code capspace at checkout easy to remember capspace which i put all the time around the program that's 50 dollars off a purchase of 399 dollars or more at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com promo code capspace don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us I've been working with Masterclass now for probably four years, ever since Steph Curry's class on shooting and ball handling came out. And I still find more classes that I'm enjoying. My wife and I have actually been sitting down together and watching Gordon Ramsay's class and learning a ton about cooking technique that basically we're applying right away. More her than me, if we're being honest, because it is the NBA playoffs after all. I don't have a ton of time for cooking right now. But I'm just continually wowed by the quality of Masterclass 
class. Just even when they're filming him doing the class, they've got like four different cameras there. They'll show you an overhead view above him of what he's doing in the pan or the bowl. It's really just remarkable. And really, whatever your interest is and however deep you want to go into it whether you want to just watch the videos whether you want to work through the downloadable materials as well and you can watch it on ios android we're casting it to our chromecast super easy the way to get started with them and get unlimited access to every master class and 15 percent off an annual membership is to go to masterclass.com slash capspace easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program that's masterclass.com slash capspace for 15 percent off masterclass don't forget that slash capspace to let them know that you came from us well, and I mean, if you people say, well, you know, he's going to age really poorly, you know, PJ Tucker is still a very effective player, same body type, you know, Tucker was not at the level of Draymond when Draymond was at his heights, but you know, those guys have pretty similar body types and now Tucker has relied on a corner three that Draymond hasn't had, but Draymond still has the passing ability and that stuff to where he can at least give you something offensively if you put enough shooting around him. But uh, I mean, I think defensively he continued to be, you know, a very solid defensive player if he wants to be, you know, for the next four or five years, if you use Tucker as a potential analog. Now, you know, Draymond is more reliant on like pr- protecting the rim in the air than Tucker is necessarily. But, you know, he's still, when you have that level of intelligence and a seven foot wingspan and you're strong it's uh it could be very powerful and so i think this team if draymond is back to being you know if not defensive player of the year like a very solid defensive player i think these guys can be pretty good defensively that's kind of what you know that's gonna be the formula is steph on offense fast break and then top 10 defense and i don't know about you i to me we there's some other players to talk about still but to me the early returns of the preseason are pretty positive as far as the defense if you project what they look like if you throw in draymond green and then you know hopefully wiseman can give them something i'm not relying well, he's, on he's on got a rim protect i yeah. mean he's just got to block some shots uh which they need you know they're bottom in the Durant era, they were always like top five in block yeah. shots. It was one. Of, it was maybe the most underrated Durant thing that left was his rim protection. You know, obviously everyone talks about the scoring. Um, so Wiseman has to do that um, and just bought. You know, just fly around and be huge and like Dray. You know, use Draymond basically as the brain that's like you know sending Wiseman over here, here, here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I to me the the formula for, for what you said a top ten defense is is through Draymond Green being the twenty nine. 19 fine uh west finals version of draymond green which is look he's he's not a good shooter anymore i think any ideas that he's gonna return to 73 win season draymond and hit 38 percent for three it's not happening i mean he's 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 30 percent 31 in his best and really i think he's three years running under 30 percent so that can't be relied upon but even when he was bad at shooting he might have been the best player in the 2019 west finals because he was rebound and go every time he was basically playing point forward um and then when teams would sag off him portland was kind of playing drop defense at times too he does those like frantic quick you know oh i'm gonna ball screen with steph curry right here and and because my defender's so far off me steph can run around me boom three like just smart plays like that um and, and as far as the defense goes the early returns we haven't like you said seen maybe their two most important uh interior defensive players Ubre is interesting because Ubre has given up a bunch of back cuts and Ubre seems to snooze a little bit off the ball. And even when he's on the ball, sometimes he gives up kind of cutting lanes because he's so jumpy. Um, and, you know, you you deke one way. Like De'Aaron Fox just did a little, like, hesitation to the right. And he's jumping this way. And then Fox just goes left, scores an and one layup. Um, but he's 
the type of wing athlete they didn't have last year. You know, seven two wingspan, six seven, likes to guard on the ball, can laterally move with guards. Um, he, I think Ubre might have like five, might have had like five preseason blocks. He got a couple guys from the, you know, chase down, you know, almost like from the back. Yeah, after well, well two, a, a couple of the back cuts that he gave up, he then immediately erased by blocking the guy from behind. So like he's he's kind of that sort of defender, like makes yeah. plays but also makes mistakes. Yeah, but you know, just and I'm comparing it to last year but it's better than like alec burks and even glenn robinson out there you know it's it's a defensive tool uh now wiggins is the key to their defense he, he wiggins is probably the guy you know Ubre's the guy you go go harass a guy for five minutes and, and you know jump in a passing lane maybe make a mistake that draymond can maybe erase um but wiggins is the guy that's probably gonna say hey go guard Kawhi leonard for a bulk of this game go guard lebron james for a bulk of this game and he's gotten a little bit bigger i don't know i, I mean i don't know where you at are where you're at on wiggins as a defender um but that might be the key so yeah i mean he has gotten a little stronger i always felt he was adequate when he was locked in as an individual defender i mean there's been times where he just kind of gotten beaten by guys that he shouldn't necessarily get beaten by um and i, I think he's been a little better as a help guy he's made some help plays have been get getting some strips around the rim on occasion like he's better than minnesota wiggins i would say but it's just and this applies to his overall game as well it just takes him a little bit longer to process everything than it does for a lot of other players i mean you just you sort of see it because we've been used to the rhythms of what this offense is supposed to look like with Steph. you know there's a play yesterday where wiggins brings it down the right side of the floor throws it to looney at the top of the key and steph curry had run under the basket and it was about to fly off a screen he's sprinting out there and wiggins just sort of all right you know just relax and then all of a sudden he's like oh shit stuff's coming out here i got a screen but he's too late to really set a screen and get him open but then steph goes off the looney screen i think he scored anyway on that play but there's just a lot of those plays where it's just oh right i'm supposed to do something you know and it just it takes him just that extra beat uh and you know, andrew wiggins feel from the game has been this is not news to people necessarily i i mean i think that they can be really good defensively because wiggins and Ubre are good enough they're not guys where you're just like we are going to just go through this guy and destroy you i think steph actually has looked had like pretty good activity defensively early on you know he may even get a few more reps guarding point guards than he has in the past um but then Ubre can switch over to that role as well and they can hide stuff if they need to but you know what else yeah. the the defensive bench options are better than they had a year ago yeah, too sure. right you, you bring Wanamaker off the bench and he's a sturdy guard that could take a shift on on a Damian Lillard or you know any score he's a quick you know strip guy where he if a big guy brings it down he kind of I mean he's kind of uh, somewhat of a, of a king of those those strips and uh Bazemore you know a little bit wild might foul you might turn the ball over a few times but long you know this is I, I I don't I haven't looked at all the other rosters, but they might have the largest collective wingspan of, of any team. I mean, they got a yeah. bunch of guys at, at least seven in, foot. on the at least among guys on the wing. Um, yeah, the problem well, is just all those guys are a little skinnier. Yeah. than you'd like, but I think there's enough there that if you throw in Draymond playing at a high level, they've got Eric Pascal as well. Who, um, you know, I, I, he I, needs to be better defensively. Yeah. He's got a tool set, a big barrel chested, and again, seven foot wingspan, like pretty much everyone on the roster. 
roster almost. Um, but I was disappointed. You know, it was interesting coming out of the draft. I was like, Pascal seems like a nice, versatile, you know, multi-positional defender that I don't know about his offensive game. And then a year in, I've completely flipped. It's like, you know, he can give them stuff offensively, but, you know, he's got to be better defensively. Steve Kerr says that. He does not like the way Pascal's played off the ball uh, to this point in his career. Yeah, and there, there's a play in the Kings game where he had a chance to come over and do some verticality, and he just kind of swiped in and ended up picking up a foul. That's one, uh, probably their biggest defensive issue is going to be fouling this year when you throw in a rookie center. You got Marquise Chris, Oubre, Wiggins. Pascal is just an absolute foul magnet defensively. Steph has always been a high foul guy in the backcourt. Yeah. Baysmore, Brad Wanamaker coming in. Like Oubre is super jumpy. Yeah, yeah so uh, that's probably going to be their biggest weakness, I would say, defensively. Um, any other uh, preseason observations that, that stuck out to you? You're going to say something about something that's counter to the national narrative. Did oh, you get to that? Or? Uh, well, I, I mean, I was going to begin that by saying what's, what's been very curious to me, and I understand it by the preseason prognostications are like the like they might have the highest variance of like you know smart known national people like john hollinger has the warriors 11th in the west i think pelton's formula had them 14th so to to be clear subjectively i would guess he would probably have them higher but just the pure math yeah yeah um you know you get people saying oh you know fringe threat in the west i'd say i probably heard people who are the highest on them maybe have them up in the four or five range i'm probably thinking six seven eight and they really should try to get six i think that's the target for them so they stay out of the play in and probably avoid the la teams in round one um but it's just it, it the, the national narrative on them is all over the place so i mean as a team it's tough to say what is the you know what is the narrative um I, if i had to pick a specific i don't know, player i mean i get Maybe I just I gave it with Wiseman. I mean, uh, as you can see, I'm 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 higher on him than maybe I I was all the way in the lead up to the draft. But um, Andrew Wiggins is interesting to me um, because I. <laughs> He was viewed when they traded for him, like a lot of the thought was, well, they traded for him so they can later flip his contract to get Giannis, which obviously isn't happening, or Bradley Beal or whatever. I've always, in particularly in conversations with them, when they made that move, that was always like for Andrew Wiggins to be their starting small forward for pretty, probably the duration of the contract. Um, and he is viewed so negatively because of his contract number. I mean, it is he's very overpaid. He's one of the more overpaid players in the league at 31 million but i i think they're they're pretty encouraged on what he can be for them and you know talking to them their beliefs like look if he was on the open market he would get what, what would he have got as a free agent 18 million a year maybe so Oof, they that's a, that's a tough call so, um i mean he's I mean, he, he's easily he's 21 points per game i mean he just is yeah i, I mean um, i'm uh if i'm writing the check it's probably it's probably less than that but th- there would be someone i i think but and the point is taken that he's a better fit than well, Russell was like Russell just had had weaknesses in ways that were just going to kill you if you're actually yeah. trying to win game it was about a year ago now that there was that massive shortage of toilet paper remember that even still it, it seems like you can't get as much as you might want to at the store and that shed some light for me on the idea that toilet paper is not very environmentally friendly either over twenty-seven thousand trees are cut down each day to make toilet paper and that's why now i use real it's 100 percent bamboo toilet paper bamboo grows faster than trees it doesn't need to be replanted and it's just a more sustainable material uh, overall it's three ply making it both soft and strong even the tape is plastic free as of course is the rest of their packaging and every real purchase helps fund access to clean toilets for the 2.4 billion people who currently have to defecate outside 
So it's good for you. It's good for the environment. It gets sent right to your house, which is awesome with free shipping. So you don't have to take up 95% of the room in your shopping cart just with toilet paper. No reason not to give it a try. Listeners of Dunked On get 10% off their first order with the promo code CAPSPACE. Easy to remember that because we talk about it all the time around the program. Visit realpaper.com, R-E-E-L, realpaper.com, and use that CAPSPACE code to get 10% off. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Yeah, and the other thing was when there was all this talk this summer, like uh, they need to trade Wiggins in the in the number two pick, and it was always like they're not going to do that because of how negative value his contract is. If you put him in a deal, you're hurting your side of the deal, where if you keep him on the roster, and as long as Joe Lacob's willing to pay absurd tax money, you're not, you know, you're not going to be able to replace that salary anyway else. He's their starting small forward, their second best scorer, probably, what, their third, fourth most important player. Like He was never going to be in a trade this summer because his market value is so much different to his actual on-court value for the Warriors. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And perhaps as that more bad contracts get signed and as he gets closer to the end of that, that might change. Uh, you know, he still is their most logical matching salary. Uh, but no, I understand what you're saying. And I think that there are going to use him and he's, I mean, he's going to be the anchor of that second unit. And I mean, he's not going to score efficiently. That unit is not going to score efficiently, but can he do enough? I mean, he can always create shots. He's to be a little below average efficiency, but just give you enough that then they can defend with the rest of that group and tread water with Steph Curry off the floor. That's going to be the mandate for him this year. He certainly failed at that in Minnesota, but he'll have more talent around him on those bench units than he did in Minnesota now. Yeah. Um, you asked about preseason observations. I wanted to ask you about a guy, uh, okay. jo- Jordan Poole, um, which he's probably their fourth guard right now i would say and and really kind of on the fringes of the rotation trying to break into to a winning rotation was certainly not that last year was for the first three months or so maybe the worst rookie maybe one of the worst players in basketball super inefficient and exploitable defensively um better in the final weeks you know they, they put him more on ball after they traded jacob evans away at the death and russell at the deadline um and he was seemed more competent uh, as a backup point guard than like a than an off ball guard um and then worked you know was praised all of this layoff for his work ethic um had came into camp and uh I th- i'd say has, has been so- solid for what we thought um i think he went four or four in the preseason opener was making smart decisions he had a couple threes in the finale against the kings um to me long term he's nothing more than than an eighth ninth man an extra guard but I mean, at least he's starting to look like he actually could be that. Whereas last year, he didn't look like he is a 15th man on a roster. Yeah, he might be the guy who has... He and Pascal are the two who are going to struggle with the transition to this being a real team. And Poole was going to get reps last year, whether he had it or not. You mentioned that the on-ball stuff is kind of what's been most interesting. But what I have struggled to understand is why they play him with Steph Curry at the end of the first and third quarters. You know, To me, Damian Lee or even Michael Mulder is a better fit there as just a shooter off the ball, a cutter, smart player. Um, you know, I think both those guys are better than Poole defensively, although he's taken strides there. You know, Poole at least, you know, he looks like he's not completely overwhelmed physically the way he was early last year. And, but I think this is kind of more of a, hey, this guy's under contract for a while. We don't see Lee or Mulder as key pieces. This guy is someone that we draft in the first round. He's worked really hard. We want to at least give him a shot here because I think Steve Kerr knows what he has in Damian Lee and he's been around long enough to where if it doesn't work out with Poole, you can always go to Lee. Whereas... 
they want to at least give pool a chance reward him make him feel like he's gotten a chance to earn things i mean that that's my hope because i don't think he's helps this team particularly alongside steph curry as much as those other guys who are better shooters just more better vets better defenders um so i mean it's, yeah. he's he's looked improved but i also don't think it, the theory of him is that he can do some stuff on the ball and score he would make more sense to me playing without steph curry than with him yeah i agree i i do think a lot of his playing time uh patterns in the preseason were what you said i mean preseason minutes to jordan Poole are so much more valuable than they are to damian lee damian lee is who he is what confused me about steve kerr's preseason rotations was toscano anderson starting one of the games when pascal was out and playing over lee and Mulder with like more natural second unit combos when toscano anderson well, I, I think it's isn't. just because he's they just needed someone who could be a four with draymond out and pascal out i think that's that's all it was is that he's he's a four and those other guys are two i think that's the only reason why that happened yeah he can upsize more you're right um but because he was starting at the four right so true you, you could now you could have moved wiggins now wiggins, wiggins kind of bit. is the four in that lineup in my yeah. opinion but but yeah i mean he's bigger than Mulder. i mean lee's lee's burly for a wing um but yeah it's just to me like toscano anderson if he's on the roster it would be as a two-way i'm not even sure he's going to be whereas lee is you know potentially in the back end of your rotation and then Mulder might not be on the roster but i know me and you are in agreement that he should be on the roster mike Mulder, who we at this point we don't know like i said if he's gonna be on the roster is their second best shooter um you know healthy shooter we're taking clay thompson out of the equation if they played this entire season and michael Mulder's in the rotation steph curry will lead the team in three-point percentage and i would bet Mulder sitting at maybe let's say 37 percent would probably be second all right, let's uh, let's get into some of the other playing time lineup issues here. Any other things stick out to you that Kerr is going to have to sort out? I, I mean, I think the biggest thing we probably haven't talked about is the role uh, of Eric Pascal. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was going to say center. Center to me. Oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that first. Center is very interesting and unsolved at this point with you know they must discover what Wiseman is and and as as hyped up as they are like I said behind the scenes and I mean they're giving him a regular role right away I think he's going to start if not opening night very soon um but you know they need how effective is he in the in his um debut month let's say if he is then you know you could pencil him in for 20-25 minutes but then behind that I'm curious about the Looney Chris dynamic. Whereas Kevon Looney started in the preseason, he's the trusted hand. He's actually the fourth most tenured player on the roster. He's entering his sixth season with the Warriors. Can you believe that? Um, but he, th- their second unit, and really their entire team wants to play fast and active and up and down the court, um, get out of the half court as much as possible. And Marquise Chris fits that fits a unit with Baysmore Wanamaker, you know, going up and down the court a lot more than, than the slower prodding Looney does, uh, particularly at his, at his state of his health. Now he's healthier than he was last season, but he's still just, you know, he, he, he looks a little beat up to me. So I'm just curious, how, how do you think the center is going to materialize? Yeah, it does make sense to throw Chris out there. He's a better offensive option than Looney. He's shown some nice passing ability as well. Uh, now, his finishing has never been amazing other than when he gets up for an alley-oop. I mean, he had a bunch of plays where he's getting stopped uh, in these preseason games at the rim. Uh, he's uncorked a, a few three-pointers, which is something that it, I think it was time for him to bring back into his game at, at, after he was kind of billed as a shooter coming out of the draft he, and did that. He took, 
took yeah. he took 243s as a rookie. 240. Yeah. It's so we- his career path is very weird. He was like a wing, uh, and now he's like a. I guess he's not even a stretch five. He wasn't last year. They're going to try to make him that this year. But again, that's another reason why Chris in the second unit makes more sense than, than Looney if if Wiseman's going to be the starter because Chris at least can hit the three. They're trying to say Looney's going to attempt to, but he's six of forty in his career from three, and it just doesn't look good coming off his hand. Yeah, he was hitting some mid rangers at times in the last couple of years, but it, I agree. I mean, that that's been a really disappointing aspect of Looney's career because he was even shooting him in college. He played point guard when he was in high school. Like he thought that that's something that he could do um but chris it really really struggles defensively you know maybe maybe what they'll do is they'll try and switch a little bit more and maybe that's how they can get something out of him there but uh you know i mean he just he'll come over and try and take some charges every once in a while he'll get some blocks in the air late in the play but you know i mean he's he doesn't have the size he's not an unbelievable defensive rebounder he doesn't have amazing help instincts so you know he definitely is a big time minus at center i think some of it will depend on the matchups where uh but neither of those guys really has the type of size that you would want if there is a big center out there you know let's say you're going up against philly and joel Embiid is out there going against your second unit like what do you do in there you know you're uh that could be really difficult uh, to deal with none of those guys can really you know or if they bring Jokic back in at, at times like they're they're uh anthony davis they're gonna well, go up against well, some guys that yeah that they look, can't guard with those guys and this is clearly a, a roster flaw that they knew about they went after marcus soul i think one of the main reasons Gasol didn't come to them is because Clay Thompson had been injured by that point and Gasol wants to win a title and Clay yeah. Thompson's injury basically takes that off the table and then they went after Aaron Baines and Aaron Baines from what I've heard Warriors were basically second on his list so they tried they tried to get a second you know more veteran you know larger big um so yes that's a weak spot and again that is a um w- while Wiseman's you know, three years from now, Wiseman matters more to the Warriors than this season. Um, this season, he matters more than they probably wanted him to because they yeah. couldn't get another veteran. Like, he, you know, he needs to be really good for them to be good. Yeah, and he's going to, if he has to guard a, a good post-up center, he's going to fall out in about two seconds. Like, you just, it just takes oh, time yeah. to learn the dark arts of post-defense. Some guys never learn them, even when they do have the physical tools. Yes, you said dark arts. Why do you think they got him sitting up there on the balcony with Zaza Pachulia on a daily basis, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, that might be their second best option against like a Jokic, bring Zaza out of the front office. All right, yeah. So as soon as he releases the jumper, you just sort of turn your head away and <laughs> oh, no. continue <laughs> sliding towards him. And, all right. Don't say uh, that. You, there was a lot of Twitter jokes when when it was revealed that he'd been watching practice with Zaza. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> he, he better not be talking to him about, about how to play Kawhi. But anyway, uh, never leave your feet under any circumstance. All right. Um, so that yeah, center is going to be interesting. Uh, but of course they have the option of going to Draymond Green at yeah. center at the end of games, and I think Wiggins, Ubre, Curry, Green. That's clearly four of your five closers with this group. My question is who that last guy is. So, um, and we're t- we're taking the centers off the table, right? I mean, I think in their I, ideal world, I the last so. guy. Yeah, okay. Um, then, the, like Draymond Green is going to be a better center than yeah, 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 than yeah, yeah, yeah James Wise. So, so this yeah. is this is the the trouble spot right now, and and you were you were wanting to get there, but let's talk about Eric Pascal, who I think at this point is probably their fifth best player. Let's say, but. He doesn't fit well with Draymond Green. He basically, you know, he's a different type of 
certainly an offensive and defensive player than Green, but you know they're the the bully ball, small, you know, kind of power fours that need, you know, they need the ball in their hands for different reasons. Draymond likes to play make with the ball. Pascal just likes to you know downhill, you know, bowling ball drive with it essentially. Um, but they need spacers around them, and the problem is neither of them shoot threes well. Um, Draymond, I think, like I said, I think that's gone. Let's not expect Draymond Green to shoot threes well. The the uh, key to Eric Pascal's season is can he hit 33% of his threes, 35%? I mean, that's pushing it, in my opinion. He he did tweak his shot this summer. He said jumping less. He's kind of like a, one of those high leapers and releases the ball a little bit kind of on the way down. It's, it's not a good-looking form. He said he's going to jump less, make it a more repeatable motion. But then he came out in the preseason, first, first two threes, he just leaped high in the air, looked like himself last year, bricked both of them pretty bad, did make a corner three in the finale. Um, but again, in an ideal world, I think that closing lineup is Pascal and Draymond. But can they play together? They, they, if you look last year, Pascal's numbers went way down when Draymond was on the floor with him. Um, so the, he, you know, Pascal's going to have to find a way to maximize himself within a Draymond Green lineup. Now, I will say that most of those minutes they played last year were with one of those guys trying to play the three. I, I agree with you. They you tried. They tried on the floor. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Pascal had a great start to the season. Remember, like thirty-five point game. Blah blah blah. Most of it was with Draymond out. Draymond came back, and I remember Steve Kerr going, "We need to find out if he could be a three. But the reality is, they found out he's not a three. No, no, he isn't. And uh, but I think if Draymond is the five and he's the four, then I don't mind it too much. And I think you could find space for his kind of bully ball ISO game. If you have Steph out there, you know, you can have Draymond screening for Steph off the ball and then maybe Pascal can go to work and Ubre and Wiggins. I mean, they're, they need to be guarded at the three point line, at least like they're not going to just be left wide open. They may not make that many, but you know, that's at least the, the bones of an offense there. I think you said the three pointer and I agree, but, and it'd be nice if you're running a Steph Draymond pick and roll to be able to have Pascal at least hang out in the corner and be a threat from there, which we're not sure he can be yet. But I think it's more defensively. Can he stay in front of guys yeah. enough? I mean, as you mentioned, he has the physical tools, but he fouls a lot. His help instincts are not amazing. So that, to me, is the bigger question of whether he can be out there with the closing group. And then if it's not going to be him... I'll tell you yeah. who. Um, Wanamaker, I think, has a chance to be... like a, it, It's a tinier group, for yeah. sure. Um, but, you know, and, and you selectively choose. If you're going against the Nuggets and Jokic is having an awesome game, although, you know, Draymond will, will proudly say he'll guard Jokic. But, you know, this is – it's 2020. And look what the, the – the Rockets won a lot of regular season games with a tiny lineup. Um, and Wanamaker is probably their most reliable bench defender and is a more reliable defender than, than Pascal at this point of his career. And he can hit – you know, he's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's not super high volume, but he's above 40% as a catch-and-shoot th- three guy. He hit two last night. Um, so if you spread him on the floor, you rely on him to mostly make smart decisions, and you think he can switch and guard one through three, we'll say, at least. Um, I think I, I could see him closing games. Um, Kent Bazemore would be another one, too, because the whole idea of yeah. Draymond at center is that you're switching everything. Like that's what That was what made that lineup 
so devastating back in the day and so with curry and wanamaker wanamaker is tough but yeah i mean even guys like Ubre and wiggins are a little bit thin for what you would want uh, to be able to just guard anybody in a switch situation and if draymond gets switched onto the perimeter then kind of what are you doing so you know maybe kent Bazemore comes in there uh maybe there's they say hey we'll have draymond at center anyway and we're not going to switch uh or they can switch and just they'll get lit up a little bit but they'll kill him on the other end and get a bunch of steals and and get out in transition i mean i think honestly if it were me i don't think kerr would do this i would even consider damian lee in that spot as just another guy who can hit shots has some intelligence good cutter it can make some uh make some use of the space that would be available on the floor but i think ultimately obviously uh yeah they lost clay thompson right it was supposed to be clay thompson kelly Oubre, yes. andrew wiggins <laughs> Draymond Green and stuff that was supposed to be the lineup which and, is a great lineup by the yeah, way I think uh, so. you know but you know I think that it's night to night Bazemore is uh hectic out there and it seems to me there are nights where Steve Kerr might pull him from the rotation entirely after he goes out and has two turnovers and uh you know commits to bad fouls on like a James Harden three-pointer or something like that um but if he's on he could you know he can be a very effective long disruptive wing and would fit that old warrior style essentially um but to me the fifth closer should probably be James Wiseman because I think they need to take their lumps with him um and I think he's the future and I think the future of this Warriors team and and I don't mean 2026 I mean 2022 2023 even when Clay Thompson's back is James Wiseman as one of their best players and he I just selectively yes go to something else in certain matchups if it makes sense but Draymond Green and James Wiseman need to learn to play together in winning time and I think Draymond Green would agree that uh, when it comes down to it two months from now I think that is your fifth closer that's really interesting and you know we mentioned this idea that Wiseman could maybe do some switching with his quick feet that'll he showed that potential we'll see whether that's a possibility it takes guys isn't this a learning a year for them too anyways yeah. i mean like they you know when you we talk about like you know they're committed to to jordan trying to develop jordan pool a little bit because you know that's the 28th pick we're talking about the second pick like yeah. this is the the future of the franchise uh, they believe so i think you just again if, if if you have james wiseman out there against the rockets let's say and it would make more sense to replace him with Kent Bazemore in the final four minutes of a close game, and maybe you have a you you nudge your percentage chance of winning this game five percent by putting Bazemore in for Wiseman. I think they still would go, eh, yeah, but we we you know we have a better chance of improving James Wiseman's basketball brain by leaving him on the floor. By yes, you did make this mistake where you jumped out on a on a James Harden uh, pump fake and then you crashed into him and he got three crucial free throws and that's why we lost the game. But guess what? You're in film the next day and we're talking about it. And two years from now, you won't make that mistake because he it, he is the future for them yeah you make a good point there uh and i'd be interested to see that they are going to try and at least make the playoffs i would imagine and they would like to be in there and uh but yeah the chances of them winning around seem uh seem relatively low to me i I wouldn't i wouldn't totally rule it out i like i i don't i think there's no way obviously they're as good as the lakers and the clippers and dallas i could see it being possible that they'd be as good as some of those other teams i'm not going to predict that by any means uh but they do have some young guys here do you want to do you want to go through it quick i mean to to me la teams obviously both are better denver unless like jamal it was a jamal murray bubble mirage are better utah because of the continuity better um then the discussion becomes more interesting to me dallas i would say popular opinion 
is they're definitely better than the Warriors, but that would, again, I've said this on a few podcasts, but that, and I'm not, not necessarily disagreeing with it, but that would be saying Luka Doncic right now is definitely better than Steph Curry. Because to, to me, the surrounding pieces are, are, are similar, s- somewhat s- similar. Like they, they have different flaws, but they're still flaws. Um, and I mean, do you think Doncic at this point is, is definitely better than Steph Curry? Not definitely, but probably, particularly when you throw yeah, in the we're gonna the find out this year aspect. We're gonna find out this year for sure. Um but you know, that that to me Dallas is too easily being considered better than the Warriors, though I would probably pick them better uh this year. But so that's five teams right there. Portland, um mm. I mean, most people will pick them, them better. I think their offseason has been a bit overrated. But you, w- are you going to pick Portland higher than the Warriors? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like yeah. Portland. So, I, I have them with 44 wins. So, I mean, okay. I think I, I'll, I'll spoil it here. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go 39 wins for this Warriors team. Which would, you know. That would, uh, and that's going to be the eighth seed. Uh, okay, as, and as that's 39. It. And while well, I'm trying to do the math in my head right now. It is um, 39 and 33. Okay, that's, that's higher. I think they're over under is right around there. But I think you'd be above it. So. Um, expectations, I would say, are relatively low yeah. for the Warriors this season. Um, and there are even, you know, I didn't even name a few teams that you could certainly make the argument could be better than the Warriors. I don't, I, I really do need the Draymond Wiseman answers to, to feel confident, but um, it's 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 crowded. I think the West is more flawed and and, and weaker than than people like. There are a lot of solid teams, but it's just not as beefy as in past years. Yeah, I think so. And there's definitely some question marks. I, I'm gonna I think so as I count through it here, I think I'm gonna have the Warriors as the eighth seed. Um but who was the other team I haven't mentioned that you have above them? Phoenix. Phoenix, okay. Yeah. Where do you have Phoenix? Forty wins, so number seven seed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. i but yeah. but I, I mean I've been very clear on this. I mean I think really any of these teams other than the two LA teams like could get up to like the number three seed. I think I, and the Warriors I think have by far the lowest chance of that. But you know I think that there's a slight chance that there could be an alchemy here that Draymond Green. I mean Draymond Green you know has been a really really good player in the past. Like I think maybe if he can remind people of what he was and do it for a whole year. I'm not betting on that, but I'm also not completely ruling out the possibility. Yeah. And I think if you if Steph and Draymond are both playing at an all-star level, then you've got enough around these guys to have a very, very good team. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at Dallas, and it's like it's considered the Luka, Kristaps, Porzingis kind of combo. Um, and if you're looking at the number twos of that comparison I was making, it's Porzingis or, or Draymond. And like to me, Porzingis is a bigger question mark right now than Draymond. Dr- Draymond's skinny, says he feels good, and um, we'll see. Porzingis coming off of, what, a meniscus and probably isn't going to play the first however many games and we don't know if he's going to stay healthy long term like yeah i mean if if draymond i don't think draymond's going to ever be an all-star again personally um but if he's but if he's anywhere near that they're frisky and then talk to me in three weeks after we've seen you know nine wiseman games and, and i think everyone's opinion will shift depending on how he looks um so what's your prediction in terms of wins uh i had i had 39 as i mentioned um I'm gonna. So it would be forty. Would be forty and thirty-two. What would forty translate to in a eighty-two game? Uh, so that would be uh, forty-six. No, I'm sorry. Hold on. Got this somewhere. Yeah, forty-six. Yeah, I'll go with forty. Um, and you know, it, it, this is a Steve Kerr season. It, it's a guy we haven't talked much about yet. Uh, I, I think pressure's on him. Uh, now his job is not on the line. Certainly, you know he's he's there long term. But I just mean um, this is the Eric Spolstra, you know, um, 
adaptability question with Steve Kerr, where Steve has been the the ego manager, the perfect coach for the dynasty, and he's he guided that team and using his style that very much fit the personnel. Um, but what Eric Spolster did with the LeBron years, he then you know transformed and and was able to guide a more flawed, less you know a big three type team um so many different times and now you know obviously back to the finals last year with 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 a with a strange collection of talent um whereas steve kerr is going to have to adjust his style this year it doesn't they're 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 not going to be a terrific half court motion offense with passers everywhere um they're going to have to shoot more threes more threes than steve kerr likes his team to shoot and bad three-point shooters are going to have to shoot them but they're just going to have to do it for spacing purposes he says he's going to turn this team into an elite top 10 defense that's very much relying on the coaching of this team um and you know he's talking a good game about how he's going to get it up and down well you know let's see them do this um and if kerr is a top six coach in the nba no matter the personnel and he's gonna we'll learn this year if that's true uh and you have Steph Curry, and like we said, a, a bounce back Draymond Green season. This they they better win forty games, right? I mean, like that if that's yeah. who they are. No, I, I agree with you, and I think the the depth here is a little bit underrated, other than maybe a backup center. Um, by the way, Looney also uh, potentially in the closing lineup if he could switch. I, I didn't didn't get a chance to get that in there. Uh, but you know, I'm a we'll, little we'll down see, on him, but you're right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see whether he can. We haven't seen him try to switch and guard on the perimeter at all yet. Like they've been playing a conventional pick and roll style. We'll see whether that changes when, when Draymond comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have them as kind of, I think average offensively, you know, I, I think when Steph is off the floor, they'll be in the twenties when he's on the floor, I think they can kind of be 10th or something like that. And then it really, to me, the big variable is the defense. And I think I, I have them as the number eight defense right now in a tier with like Philly and Utah and Miami and Indiana is my, that's the rest of my six through 10 defensively. You know, I think they can be better than Phoenix and Portland and Orlando and Denver. Like, I think they're better than those guys. And they're also, there are not that many good defenses out there. There's a lot of good offenses this year and not a lot of good defenses. So there might be a chance to differentiate themselves there. And I think it's pace. Yeah. Sorry. Pace. Yeah. Pace. That's the number I'm looking at. You know, they, they can't, settle in the half court they don't have good shooting besides Steph Curry and because of that it turns Steph Curry into a worse shooter because he's just going to be seeing body after body after body but you you know when you if they are if if they are a top eight defense that to me means they're a disruptive you know deflection steals blocks get out and transition uh type defense uh which flips into transition offense which gets Steph Curry more wide open threes which gets Kelly Oubre who I think what was he 15th in in transition points last year like he's a really good transition player also a very good cutter as well he was very high in cutting cuts last year so yeah Wiggins you would think would fit that style he's a really fast in shape wing who can slash and score uh he had a couple leak outs last night which i thought you know uh fit what yeah. he should do he's this really year. lost athleticism by the way compared to where he was early in his career like you don't he doesn't get any like big dunks anymore it's kind of yeah weird. he does and i'm not even sure that's because he's like incapable athletically he just doesn't seem to like go for them really um and then draymond is a great you know draymond at his best draymond has the get the ball off the reba, uh, rim and like go and push everybody else to go is a is a great transition player and then wiseman again like we're talking about a guy who should at worst be javel mcgee 
on the Warriors, which is just beat other centers down the floor at all times. Um, okay, so we got about five minutes left here. Best case scenario, I'd say that, you know, over the course of 82 games, I think they could get to be like a 51 win team. Like, I think they could be mid-pack offense and then you could get to maybe like the fifth best defense. And so that's that's like what's, getting close to to that type of a level. Um, what's 51 in uh, in a 72 game? 45. Okay. Um, yeah, that seems reasonable. Uh, to me, I'm thinking more seeding-wise when I think best-case scenario. Yeah. And they're just not going to be better than the L.A. teams, as we know. Uh, I'm going to throw Denver out the way. But, you know, I think, you know, let's say Utah, that situation gets stale. Gobert doesn't get his extension going into the year. They kind of – I could see them just being, you know, turning into kind of a sour situation. Uh I think they could be better than Portland. I'm again. I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. so, but I, I think they all the way up to four seed. I, I would say best case four seed. Yeah, and I know you. You've written that the the kind of goal for a successful season would be to six. not have to be in the play in and to avoid the LA teams in the first round, so to get the six seed essentially. Yeah, um, and and with my projected win total, I'm probably having them down seven eight range. Yeah, uh, if I said forty. Um. So yeah, that realistic scenario six seven eight highest four, and then I know you're about to ask me about uh, worst case, and that's certainly out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean worst case would be kind of the equivalent of like a 33 win team or something like that over 82 games so that is 29 wins overall and that's you know Steph Curry Draymond Green is just the same guy that we saw last year and Steph Curry misses 20 games and Wiseman Wiseman doesn't develop quickly um and then you want to know real worst case while all of that is going on your Minnesota Timberwolves have a stunning season and get and they're the you know sixth best team in the West, and suddenly that war that coveted Warriors asset, where they have a top three protected Minnesota pick in the twenty twenty one draft, in what's supposed to be a loaded draft, becomes like the nineteenth pick or something like that. That's a true worst case scenario when we talk long term. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't either. But yeah, we're, we're crafting yesterday. a we're we crafting are, uh, a work we're crafting a worst case here, right? Yeah, no, that's um, a, that that is true. Um, well, let me ask you that as the last thing: uh, What do you think about Minnesota? Because it, weirdly, if, when we're talking future, and as we mentioned earlier, the development of Wiseman it, it matters more than a lot of the other stuff this year. What do you think of Minnesota? Because that is very crucial to them, either as a trade piece or you know use it on a draft pick. Well, let's see here. I have the Minnesota Timberwolves as the one, two, wait on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh worst worst team in basketball with 29 wins. I think that's a very good case for the Warriors. Um, now, best case would be, you know, one of the three worst, and then lottery night comes and they get planted fourth, so they don't protect it, but it's fourth. But, I, you know, I think seven, that, that would be, a, you know, coveted. In, in the trade market i think what really matters to them if if we talk about maybe making a swing at the deadline minnesota has to come out poorly if they come out the, poorly, they are that, on that, track to do that <laughs> yeah edward edwards has been super inefficient i saw uh yeah and krasinski was telling me that towns uh, hasn't looked that great that we talked before they played it against dallas last night where those guys looked uh, a little bit better all right man well at anthony v slater what does the v stand for by the way i never asked you that Vincent, middle name. All right. Uh, Anthony, at Anthony V. Slater on Twitter. And, of course, you can read all of his work at The Athletic. Thanks for joining us, man. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to this free preview of Dunked on Prime Total Access. A reminder, we are having our preseason sale 35% off when you buy a year membership to Dunked on Prime Total Access. Get it now as the sale ends when the season starts.